Hey everybody and welcome back to the Abundant Journey Podcast, a show that's dedicated to sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, visionaries, risk takers, and people who just don't like to settle for the ordinary. We're glad you can join us. I'm your host, Nick James, along with my co-host, Nick Offenkamp. Nick, how you doing? Fantastic, man. It's uh, so good to be here with you again and I'm super excited about our guest. And I'll let you do the intro since uh, you've had a bit more time, Yeah, uh, but really excited about today's show. No, I am too. We've got a great show lined up. We're going to be hanging out with William Holland out of Texas. Will's an entrepreneur, uh, which is how I got to know him. And uh, he's also somebody who's a networker. And uh, he's got some major changes that just happened in his life, which we're excited to hear about. But we're not going there yet. Before that, we want to jump into a little bit of your background. Will, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Absolutely, man. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I know you guys are doing great things and just being able to share a lot of people's uh, really awesome stories. So I'm thankful to be able to share mine today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Will, I, I mentioned it, but you're, you got some exciting things going on in life and you're coming to us from Texas, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Born and raised in Texas, a little small town called Stephenville. I uh, went to College Station, so Texas A&M University, studied mechanical engineering, got a job in Houston, and, and now I find myself in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Nick, that's, uh, Nick, you're from Texas too, aren't you? I do. I've got the birth certificate, and there are times where I, uh, I claim my Texan heritage where you know I find that it'll be particularly advantageous, although true Texans like you, uh, born and raised, William... Uh, they give me a hard time. They say that it's it's not real. Um, I I never had the accent, but I did step as a as a baby. I stepped in a uh, my first steps were like into a pile of fire ants. I don't know if you've had any fire ant experiences, but uh, uh, of course, that, I am, of course. <laughs> so, I, maybe, yeah, Texas Texas kind of traumatized me, I suppose. But um, now, as an adult, it's it's kind of my my dream place to live if only uh extended family were down there is it your dream place like do you see yourself as a lifer in texas or do you ever get like a a wild you know hair of like i I could see myself in california or oh oh don't even say that (laughs) (laughs) that's heresy man i I love colorado california's beautiful uh virginia the appalachian mountains over there i could even live overseas honestly i love to travel and um, just wherever god takes me honestly man that's awesome well, Will, let's jump in a little bit here. So tell us a little bit about your background, family life, maybe first job. What got you going? Absolutely. So small town Texas, um, you know you know everybody. Everywhere you go, you see somebody you know. You go to Walmart, you see like somebody in your, gla- your grade or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, but my, my first job, so I've got a, a sister uh, and live with my parents. My parents are together. Um, great home, great home life. My grandparents live there, my cousins, my aunt and uncles, everybody's in the same town. Uh, so that's just really special, you know, and get to get to see them all the time. My first job was uh, mowing yards. <laughs> you know, I always liked mowing yards. I always begged my parents to let me mow. And finally, around 12 years old, they let me start mowing the yard. And I was like, man, I, I want some extra cash. And so I would just push the lawnmower up and down the streets literally knocking on doors. So I, I learned a lot about, you know, just getting rejected and getting sales and uh, pitching myself. And, you know, eventually I bought a, a weed eater, bought a gas can as well. And then I turned 16, finally started driving, you know, and then I could get a trailer and bought a zero turn riding lawnmower. So just really started scaling. And yeah. um, before I turned 20 years old as a teenager, I had some college neighbors that would work for me. 
Um, so I, I, hired people. I fired people, you know, I just really, um, got a lot, a good dose of entrepreneurship, uh, at yeah. an early age. Well, that's amazing. Did you know that? Oh, sorry. I was just going to like, uh, did you know that you just loved it? Uh, like from the, the first time that you started doing the, the door knocking with the, the lawn mowing business, like, was it just like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Maybe not lawn mowing, but, uh, entrepreneurship. <laughs> I, I think I've always known that. Yeah, I love I love business yeah. and I love people. And ultimately what I say, though, is I love people because I love Jesus. Mm. And I love Jesus because he first loved me. So it's it's a natural fit to be able to yeah. have your, set your own schedule and, you know, talk to as many people as possible. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've, we got an episode where we talked a little bit about that as well in the fact that uh, going to Bible college, then coming home, you know, I had this mindset that the only real job in life is a church job or a ministry job, but there's so many opportunities to be able to make a difference in people's lives and share Jesus with people in the workforce and people who have no clue. And so that's that's super cool that you, I know you're passionate about that as well. So you were, you were mowing lawns early and then uh, Maybe a little tease. Obviously, we know you're doing real estate now. The audience, we're going to dive into that a little bit. But kind of what got you to that point in being interested in real estate? Yeah. So it's really funny that you asked that question. You know, I was in college. I was studying mechanical engineering. And, and that really gives you a platform and a foundation to go really in any direction. You know, you can go to law school. Literally, like you can go to medical school if you take the right coursework, you know, in preparation. Um, and I was talking to one of my mentors and I was like, man, I don't know what I want to do. You know, I, I like business. I like people. I know I don't want to be a doctor, so I could kind of like cross some things off the list. But I literally said, I was like, I know for certain I don't want to go build buildings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, and, and ultimately that's what I'm doing now. So, you know, it's just I think for me, it was kind of like figuring out some things that I didn't want to do. And it just yeah. kind of naturally started trending in that direction. So ultimately, though, my mom is a realtor and a broker. Okay. And so she did that for about 10 years on residential homes and also land. And then eventually she was like, hey, like I want to start my own business as well. So she has a brokerage and has a few realtors working for her. And then my dad has been cool. in construction his whole life. So he's been a carpenter and then he's remodeled some homes. So fix and flip. We moved around a lot within the, our hometown of just buying a house, renovating it and selling it in about two or three years. So I had a lot of exposure uh, growing up in that as well. That's awesome. Did you pick up some of those skills? Like, were you helping with uh, a lot of the carpentry and whatnot? Or I can do that a little bit, but I'm not most gifted. Nice. <laughs> okay. Totally. <clears throat> I'm not at all. My dad is real big into uh, woodworking, and he he really loves all the like finish work. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, nothing could be further from my skill set. I just <laughs> don't have the patience for any of that. <laughs> right. So I will say um, this background right here actually. I'll move out of the way for a second. So this was a, a bookshelf that I picked up from my neighbor. They were throwing it away. And oh. I was like, man, I, I need a backdrop. Yeah. I've been holding on to it for several months. And last weekend, my parents came. And I was like, man, I'm trying to get this podcast set up. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, let's build it. So we actually built that, me and my dad. Um, That's my dad awesome. said that I am creative. And I was like, I, I guess, I don't know. But, sure. <laughs> Hey, it looks good. Yeah, I uh, I got some background envy. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> dumb light fixture behind me, but <laughs> cool. Well, 
Well, so let me ask you this. Well, so, you know, it's clearly your mom was in the res or the residential real estate side of things. Now, did you jump in? I know you're doing some multifamily real estate stuff and maybe you can share a little bit about what you're doing today, but did you start there or did you start with smaller stuff? Yeah. So, you know, I, I get to talk to a lot of people about finance and, you know, I've read a lot of books. I mean, Dave Ramsey, you know, I've read a bunch of the basics, the richest man in Babylon. And so for me, it's been kind of a progression, you know, so I wanted to get some debts paid off, I wanted to get my car paid off, you know, I wanted to get some savings. And then I did, you know, I've invested in the stock market a little bit. You know, I've got some retirement account. I've, I've also bought some crypto. So okay, you know, not, not a large portion of my portfolio. Um, but a little bit, you know, I wanted some exposure to that. And then in 2021, yeah. I'd been looking for a long time. I really wanted to buy a house. So I've rented for six years of my life. And I was like, man, I really want to buy a house. I want to house hack. If you guys are familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe the audience should share a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to buy a house where I could rent out a few of the bedrooms. So I live here as well. But I wanted to be able to rent out a few of the bedrooms. So I literally, you know, I've, I've got exposure. I can research the market myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I utilized some of the, the software that my mom can have access to and found some properties. I walked them, toured them. I drove around to like 50 neighborhoods in Dallas. And I, and the same thing, it's like, well, I figured out where I didn't want to be and ended up settling on a four bedroom house here in Dallas. So I bought it in 2021, November, 2021. And I rent out three bedrooms to other guys. Nice. Um, and that's been a blessing as well. So, you know, not only does it help me pay a portion of the mortgage, mm -hmm. but ultimately my desire is to be able to mentor the guys, you know, so we have accountability. You know, we study the scripture together. We pray together. Like we talk about our finances and, you know, I don't plan on being here forever as well, but it's an opportunity for each of us to just grow in community and kind of get ready for whatever next step that is, whether it's, you know, getting engaged, getting married, you know, buying our own home, whatever that is. So um, that's been pretty amazing mm -hmm. so far. That was kind of my first exposure to real estate acquisition. That's awesome. And did you know of anybody who was doing house hacking or did you come across that concept through bigger pockets and you just heard about it and executed? I mean, that's, it's awesome, but kind of what was the, the introduction to that for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's all over the internet, bigger pockets. I run in several real estate groups, and and I was just like, man, it's for me, it's a no brainer. I know a lot of people, you yeah. know, couldn't open up their home and live with a bunch of other guys, but for me, it was a no brainer. Cool. Yeah, it's such a, a great great strategy. I encourage more and more people to to think about that, or even uh, purchasing like a a duplex or something mm -hmm. like that so that you could, you know, if you, if you are married or can't exactly open up your own home and rent out rooms, there's still mm -hmm. other creative ways to do it. So exactly. I won't go too far down that rabbit trail because I could easily, uh, I'm a big believer in house hacking. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. And I, I think we all, you know, we're all like-minded in the belief that real estate is a great thing. Now, are you, uh, are you doing real estate full-time now? It sounds like you've got your hand in a few different kinds of investments. I am. Yes, sir. So as of, uh, I guess, January 27th, something like that. So about a week and a half ago, I ended up quitting my job and wow. I left, left my job, left my company. I was in development. So large scale, large scale construction, got to help build a 26 story building. And then wow. I got to do estimating and pre-construction services. So that's kind of in the planning phase of upcoming new construction on 14 projects, totaling over $2 billion. Wow. So I got a lot of exposure. I got to sit no in some meetings with some, some pretty big names here in Dallas real estate and just meet a lot of really awesome people. 
Uh, what I'm now, doing just, now, go ahead. Sorry, just real quick. I mean, that, that sounds like for a lot of people, like that would be a dream gig. Like as far as your nine to five, you know, like managing that big of projects, managing that much money. And so I just want to highlight that, of, that it's like, okay, that's it. Like you had a career, like you weren't just leaving, like uh, working at the, the local subway to go after uh, real estate. Like you were doing real work. So this is a huge step away from that to go full time as a as an investor. So I, I just want to like put the exclamation point on, dang! Like uh, we could just talk about what you were doing career wise, and that would be impressive enough. And uh, and yeah, we're. I just don't want to blow past that <laughs> as we get into everything else that you're doing now. So right, absolutely. I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off though. Yeah, and go for that, it. That company, I mean, man, they. They do like a barbecue cook-off during the year. They do a chili cook-off. We had a, an entire day dedicated to building your own like putt-putt hole. And then we set that up on the office and just had people come in and we had a putt-putt tournament. So um, great culture, yeah. great environment. You know, and, and you know, I, I definitely could have risen the ranks over time and potentially been like a C-suite kind of guy with that company. But ultimately, like you said... Um, you know, I, I pray a lot. And one of the things I prayed about was like, God, like help me just get rid of distractions in my life. Mm. And I mean, I, I was mm. making great money and, you know, having an impact and building good relationships. But ultimately I, I think that God was calling me to something bigger and better. Mm. And, you know, that wow. is requiring me to step out in faith. I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, so far, like I'm not even broke even, you know, on building the business. Um, but, I've seen a lot of fruit, you know, I get to pray with a lot of people and meet guys like you and meet a lot of other like really awesome women, you know, and um, I just want to change the world. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's, oh, that's super awesome. I mean, I, Nick, I don't know what you got lined up as far as the next, but I, I, I'm really curious to just hear like as you were going through that whole process and, and praying through uh, taking this, it's a big risk to take a, a step away from a stable mm -hmm. job and, and start something new. Um, and so, you know, what those prayers look like or what the, you know, this compelling vision of like, I, I got to do this. I got to step away and I got to start something new um, as much as you can or want to share about that whole process. I'd love to hear it. Also, I apologize. My dog is uh, he's freaking out down here. That's why my arm looks like it's going crazy. Um, man, you got to uh, – Nick, we'll, we'll figure this out. But anyway, I just want to give you a heads up. Like That's why this is, is going nuts. I'm going to mute for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I seek a lot of counsel from a lot of different people. I have mentors who are, you know, developers who have built, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate in Dallas. Um, I've got some really faithful men and women who are mentors of mine, you know, so everything that I do, I, I certainly don't look at my decisions in a vacuum. I spend a lot of time and I, I have great friends as well. I've got, you know, a handful of guys like I would do anything for them, you know? Yeah. And so, I, I mean, it's basically to, to boil it down, you know, on how everything got started. So I started my LLC in 2019, basically mm -hmm. as soon as I moved to Dallas. So I've been here three and a half years. So I built the LLC. I started talking to people, started reading books. Um, you know, I was like, man, I, I definitely like real estate. I like syndication, which is what I'm doing now. And we can go into that term a little bit later sure. um, and describe what that means exactly. Um, but ultimately, I just I couldn't figure out how to get started. 
I mean, I was reading a lot of books. I was spending lots of money on these courses and stuff like that online. So I was gaining the knowledge, but I, I didn't meet the right people. You know, I, I didn't know how to meet the right people. I didn't know the right yeah. questions to ask. And so I spent basically, you know, two and a half years not really making any progress. And ultimately, like what what truly happened that really got everything kickstarted and it was God teach me a big lesson. So I, I like to do everything 100%. I like to run as fast as possible to, <laughs> towards every destination, which sure. is not honestly a healthy way to live. And so I ended up having to get ankle surgery uh, February 9th. So we're coming up on a year, February 9th of last year. Wow. And that, that forced me to be bedridden for six straight weeks. Man. Wow. You know, so I'm watching, um, what was it, 1883... Yeah, uh, I'm watching 1883. I'm watching TV. I'm playing Monopoly on my phone. Like I'm, I'm just like reading. <laughs> I read like eight or ten books in that six week period. Um, and ultimately, I'm like, man, this is what I want to do. Like, when am I ever gonna have a chance? Like, I'm getting short term disability, you know. So I'm getting taken care of and everything. When am I gonna have another chance for six weeks of freedom? And I was like, it's time. Like, it's time for me to start making these phone calls. And so that was the the hmm. thing that that changed the trajectory. Is like I started talking to real people. So I started calling like lenders. I started calling brokers. I started calling syndicators here in Dallas, just asking questions. And finally, like I stumbled upon a book about raising capital and I joined a mastermind. It was super expensive to join, but that just opens the floodgates of me to be able to, you know, start a podcast, like get my website made and actually start trying to raise money. And like, I actually got on the deal. That's Um, awesome. And so that's kind of, kind of how it happens. No, I, I, I love that. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that you shared there was that you took action. And so often, you know, I think people have ideas, they have visions, they have goals, they have dreams. And I've been reading Atomic Habits right now. I'm assuming you've probably read that book. But, you know, the concept of where I'm at in the book right now is there's a difference between motion and action. And motion is planning and strategizing and even some of those education books and reading, doing things like that. That's motion and that's all important. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you need to take steps to make it happen, and you need to move forward with your plan, pick up the phone, you know, no matter what, whether that's job or investing or entrepreneurship, nothing's going to happen. You need to kind of grab it by the reins and go for it. And it sounds like you did that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. But also, too, I mean, you said you kind of had uh, two and a half years is what you mentioned it kind of took to to finally get some traction in the, the space. I mean, two and a half years of trying things and learning. But um, uh, I mean, I imagine that there is some discouragement in those two and a half years in hindsight never sounds that long. But when you're actually living it, like uh, two and a half years feels like a long time. So. I don't know. How did you push through some of that initial discouragement of just not being able to really make the kind of progress that you saw other people making or that you knew was possible but uh, hadn't yet accomplished? Yeah. So um, I, I actually I toured several large apartment complexes here in Dallas that were for sale. And, you know, I mean, you're talking potentially millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it's like, man, I, I, I think this is a great property. I think it's in a great location. You know, I've done some initial analysis of it, but I don't know what to do now. Like, I don't have a team, you know, and you can't close a big property by yourself. 
Yes. I've learned so, that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was so excited about it. I'd talk about it all the time with my coworkers, with my friends, with my family. You know, it's like, man, I believe in this. I, you know, and I just, I kept believing and I kept, I kept at least learning and reading. And, you know, it, and ultimately, like, I would say, man, I, I wasn't ready for it. Like, I was heavily focused on, you know, my job and, you know, get, building those foundational uh, concepts and skills and, that kind of, I was reading over some of the questions that you guys have in your you know, info sheet. And one of the questions was, you know, what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten? And, you know, kind of keeping in the theme of like wanting to run as fast as possible. My first job in Houston, uh, there was an old bald guy. And if you ever listened to this, I'm apologizing right now. Um, you know, but it's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. I asked him, I was like, man, like, how can I get to the top as quickly as possible? And, he, you know, in his wisdom, he said, hey, like, you're asking the wrong question. Like, it's not about getting to somewhere as fast as possible. It's about gaining the, the skills and the building blocks at each level. That way, when you make it to the next level, you're actually ready, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, you're, you're prepared to exceed and excel in that next role. And then he went on to use an example of somebody who had grown very quickly, oversold the, their skills, and found themselves in a position they, they couldn't handle. And they literally had to like leave the industry and go back to school and pivot completely. So um, that wow. was a, a big lesson for me, and that's something I'm always going to hold with me. That's awesome. What, what you know, and and I don't want to I don't want to shortcut that. I mean, you know, it's life's a journey, right? I mean, that's, that's why we, we say abundant journey. I mean, we recognize that this is something that is slow over time. And, you know, it's interesting because we're in a society, we're in a culture that wants things now and that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even, even in your story, you were forced to slow down for six weeks and not move, which was some of those building blocks you're talking about. And then on top of that, the things you learned not only at your job, but also the relationships you built at your job, those were all foundational pieces for you to be able to progress and take that step of faith into jumping into full-time investing. So I, I love that. What are some of the skills that maybe you learned in the last couple of years to get you to the point where you are now? What maybe, maybe some of the nuggets from the books or things from mentors. I mean, you shared the one, obviously, but what are some other things you feel like you've had to learn? Absolutely. So ultimately, I graduated college in 2018. You know, so at that point, 2018, I'm 22 years old, I guess. And, you know, so I worked for seven months in Houston, and then I transitioned into construction management here in Dallas. So at that point, I'm 23 years old. You know, I'm on a construction project, you know, worth over $100 million, you know, so I managed uh, $20 million worth of scope roughly. And so that means, you know, there's people from other companies. So a smaller company, I might be dealing with the CEO. And so ultimately, like, they work for us as a subcontractor. And so I'm literally, like, you know, reviewing their contract. I'm having conversations with him. I'm setting deadlines for him to return paperwork to me and different guidelines for what they're going to be building or installing within the project. And so, you know, at 22 years old, I might be, the boss essentially of somebody that's 55, 60 years old with 30 years of experience, you know, and, and I'm not going to lie. Like I've certainly been cussed out before by somebody, you know, in that role, you know, I've certainly had people like just try to tear me up and act belligerent. 
And one thing that I've learned, and I, I think that it will be very valuable, you know, the rest of my life and the rest of my career is to maintain poise, but, but also not to be pushed around, mm. you know? So it's like, you know, somebody's cussing me out, you know, there's, there were times when I just, you know, in that moment I walked away, you know, I walked away. I wasn't going to like handle that conversation, you know, in, in the heat of the moment. But then there was other times, you know, in that moment, it's like, Hey, like, you know, you're not going to talk to me like that. Yeah. You know, like I'm a, I'm a grown man and like, I'm going to be respectful of you, but like, I, I want to have that same respect shown to me. So I, I learned, you know, how to negotiate, have the, how to have tough conversations with people. Um, you know, and I just, I became like a much more sharpened individual, like mentally a lot stronger. And, um, I think that's going to be really helpful, you know, as I, seek to to close multi-million dollar deals in the future absolutely yeah that that's a really interesting uh skill to to highlight and i think one that really gets uh underestimated but the um having that poise and the mental fortitude um in the face of intense pressure and that's awesome that especially so young that you were both exposed to that and um there has to be some natural gifting too, you know, that just the way that you're, you're wired that the Lord made you and, uh, that you're able to handle that. Cause, and that's, you know, why you're, uh, doing what you're doing now. Not everybody I think has necessarily that, um, that right. skill set or that desire to stand in the face of, uh, somebody cussing them out. <laughs> yeah. or, and, uh, and I can't, I can't lie. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect as well. Right. So I get mad. <laughs> like, you know, I don't react the way that I should sometimes, but you know, I seek to glorify God in all that I do. And, you know, there were times on the, the projects where I didn't act the way that I should have, man. And, you know, I try to like carve out some time and I go talk to that person one-on-one and I just humble myself and I say, Hey, like, I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, can you forgive me? And like, let's move on. Like, let's, we're a team. Like we gotta, we gotta get this project finished. That's great. Yeah. Well, and those, those skills, I think everything you're sharing just translates to entrepreneurship and business ownership. You know, I'm, I mean, I, as a banker, you know, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to interact with similar people. I think that you're, you're sharing and, and really the, the responsibility, there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders as a business owner and as a CEO or CFO as you're making decisions for people's lives and for whatever product or whatever you're trying to put out. And so, you know, that I've been able to see as well as I interact with folks. But I think similarly, there's a weightiness to multi-million dollar real estate projects that are going to be where people live and you know, um, you have a responsibility for your investors and there's Absolutely. a lot that goes into that. So I, I think that those are some really significant skills. So let, let me ask you this. Maybe some of the audience doesn't know. You mentioned the term real estate syndication and it feels like a natural transition to talk a little bit about what your company that you just started, you, you've clearly, you've, you've quit. You said you've, you have a vision, you have some goals personally. So what are you doing specifically in the real estate world today? And we'll, Take it away. <laughs> Absolutely. So real estate syndication, essentially, you know, most people and their familiarity and what they know about real estate, like I told people I'm in real estate now, they're like, oh, you're a realtor. And I'm like, no, 
not at all. I'm not a realtor. You know, there's there's so much about real estate that people don't understand. You know, so most people know realtors and they know single family homes, and so I I will not by any means you know talk bad about any other types of asset classes or investing in real estate. You know, I know people that buy single family homes and they have you know ten homes and that's a great retirement plan for them. You know, so I I believe in what I'm doing and I like it, but there's so many other great paths as well. Um, but what I'm doing specifically, you know, a lot of people that buy the single family homes, they run into a, a problem of being able to scale. And so if you have one single family home, you can't pay a property manager to take care of it for you. So you have to go fix, you know, anytime the toilet clogs up or, you know, there's something going wrong, you have to go take care of that yourself to maintain profitability. And so syndication, in essence, is pulling a bunch of investors' money together so you're pulling it together, you're all on the same team, and instead of buying a small property like a single family home, you're buying large properties. So uh, the last property that we bought was $19.5 million. Like you said, you know, it's, it's a big responsibility. Like, you know, people think, oh, like, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of other people's money, and then I'm going to go buy this property, you know, and, and it's, it's harder than you think to raise money, I will say. <laughs> No doubt. It's also, it's, it's weighty. It is very weighty. You know, like you were taking people's hard earned money and you're putting it into an investment and you're operating a business, you know, and, and there's things that can go wrong. So you're trying to mitigate the risks. And at the end of the day, like you want it to be profitable for your investors and you want it to be profitable for yourself. So that's a risk. And, and most people aren't willing to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And that nineteen million dollar property that you were fundraising for, I mean, what's the uh, the end advantage to going with something bigger, syndicating the deal versus? I mean, you, you mentioned um, the struggle with single family is is that unless you're huge and your properties are all fairly close to one another, uh, you're having to do a whole lot more hands on management, but. Um, what are some of the other things that you're finding with syndicating deals that kind of implies there's property management on a, a larger deal like that? So you're not having to uh, go fix the, the leaky faucet, but what else uh, is the real draw to that for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So you have property managers. That's what they do full time. You have operations people, you have maintenance people on salary, on staff. They're taking care of the properties for you, you know, so ultimately for a, a passive investor's perspective. So that's the people that we raised money from. So besides, you know, vetting the sponsors, the general partners, the people like me on the team that are helping manage the deal, underwrite the deal and analyze the deal, you know, determine when it's time to sell the deal. The passive investor literally, you know, doesn't have any real responsibilities, so they don't have legal consequences. You know, they they don't have to take care of the property. They don't have to talk to other investors, you know. So from a passive investor's perspective, you know, they can truly not have to be working and their money, you know, has the potential to grow over time. So they're able to trade their their money to gain back time, you know, and, and totally. You know, given, you know, if you do that for 10 or 15 years, there's the potential that you can retire earlier or work part time, you know, or a lot of people, you know, they have children and, you know, they can cut back some of their hours to make it to more of their sporting events, you know, and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, or, you know, take more vacation time. So um, ultimately, there's just a lot of really awesome benefits from it. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. 
I was just going to say, and then for people who are listening, that it's like, yeah, that that sounds amazing. I I want all of those things that you just described. <laughs> like, uh, what kind of returns um, do you typically anticipate, or, or are you aiming for for your passive investors? And uh, what kind of qualifications do you do you need from a passive investor? Just trying to, I imagine that there's some people listening that like this is kind of a new concept for them. Um, and so where it's like, well, I could just download Robinhood and, you know, buy Tesla stock. What's the advantage to, to trying to go with something with you as a, a passive investor? Absolutely. So I would say a big benefit is, you know, the teams, we build dynamic teams, we have market expertise, we have lender relationships, so we can get better terms on borrowing money. We have broker relationships, so we might can get a better price on a deal potentially, um, you know, and, and all those things. So I guess, I mean, there's, there's so many advantages to it, you know. Totally. Awesome. Well, when, you, when you jumped into doing real estate, I mean, had you, did you know that this is what you wanted to do? I mean, large multifamily deals or really what got you introduced to this type of investing? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I lived in apartments for six years and, you know, there's a lot of things about our economic um, environment these days that are, are shifting. So yep. home prices, you know, are going up a lot. Um, there's a shortage of homes that are built. And I would say, you know, inflation has gone up a lot. People's salaries aren't keeping pace with inflation. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, that creates an environment where, you know, more and more people will have to live in apartments longer, you know, and potentially the rest of their life, right? Mm. Yeah. And so since I've, I've lived there, you know, I lived in some apartments that were not so good. I lived in some apartments that were, were great. You know, they were managed well. They were very timely with their maintenance requests. Um, but ultimately, you know, investing in apartments is something that I would say is something that's always going to be needed. Yeah. So from that aspect, you know, it makes sense in that way. Um, you know, and you have an, an opportunity to, to influence and, and improve people's lives and, and build a community within each apartment complex. So all of those things are very appealing to me. Yeah. Um, as far as the returns go, you know, that's kind of like the emotional side of it, but obviously it's still business. And so as far as the returns go, you know, obviously I'm, I can't guarantee any returns, but typically you're shooting for a, a 2x return on your money. So typically uh, an investment would be like $25,000 minimum or maybe a $50,000 minimum. And you, you know, might see opportunities for, for lower minimums um, potentially. But um, if you invested $25,000 in a deal, typically a business plan would be for us to own the property for three to five years. So to go in and improve the property, uh, spend money renovating the property, making it safer for the residents, and then paying down the monthly mortgage over time. And then you see the property value continuing to go up as well. And then you would sell the property. And so every person that invested 25000 would get their minimum investment back and then likely see a $25,000 uh, profit as well. So in three to five years, we'd like to double your money. You know, in the, in the past, it's in the last three years, there's been people selling properties in 18 months and tripling people's money because the interest rates were so low and, and the, the uh, monthly like payments uh, for rent were increasing so rapidly 
um, that that environment I don't think we'll see that anytime soon anymore um, but there's always the potential to sell sooner you know so it's just you just never know what the market's yeah. gonna do long term yeah and curious, and curious awesome. since you got your finger on the pulse you know what? What are you seeing in Dallas? I mean, we're out in Washington, and we know our homes are really expensive. Uh, yeah, but we've also heard in the news. I mean, there's a, been a pretty big migration from folks into Dallas and into Texas. I mean, what, what's the general feel and consensus right now? Yeah, I, I would say the general feel and consensus that Dallas real estate is is going to be continuing to be on fire for a really long time. It's great, you know. And as you mentioned, I mean, the we have. So many advantages for from a tax perspective for businesses moving here. Um, us locals, you know, may not like that because our property <laughs> taxes continue to go up. But ultimately, for you know, especially residential real estate like apartment complex owners, um, I think that's uh, music to our ears. You know, because sure. those people have to have a place to live. Yep. And so I don't think right. that we're going to see the, the market rents continuing to rise the way that they did. But um, one thing that is really helpful about real estate in, in particular is that it, it is pretty inflationary resistant because as inflation goes up, naturally the rents will continue to rise as well. And so that's, that's one thing that I think uh, mitigates some of the risk um, involved in this type of investing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting you say uh, mitigate the risk. That term uh, sings to my soul as a banker since we uh, we love risk mitigation. And, and, and I am curious. I mean, you know, you got an amazing story, you know, entrepreneur early on and then ultimately learning, making jumps, doing incredible things in the workforce, deciding to quit. Uh, as you're just brand new starting your business, um, but then on top of that, you know, you're also taking down millions of dollars of real estate with people, and I'm sure you've built relationships with them. Uh, really, from a risk standpoint, I mean, how do you view risk? How do you approach risk? Maybe in life, but also in business. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Um. You know, so I over the course of last year, I talked to hundreds of people in real estate. I talked to people, you know, from Florida to New York to California to Washington. I talked to people across the U.S. and so many different areas of real estate. And I think that has helped me, you know, be a, a pretty good judge of character. So ultimately, the biggest risk that you have in investing in real estate is the people that you invest with. Hmm. So the reason I say that, man, I've, you know, and I... I'm the type of person I like people, you know, generally like I get off the phone with somebody. I'm super energized. I'm so excited. I was like, man, I, I just like talking to that person. Um, but occasionally I'll get off the phone with somebody, you know, and, and there's uh, one case in particular. I was supposed to meet this guy. He's he's here in Dallas. Um, I won't give any more details, but I was supposed to go tour one of his properties and see if it would be a good fit. And, you know, we talked for 30 minutes on the phone and the stories that he told me, um, the things that he enjoys doing in his free time, uh, some of the risks that he likes like to t likes to take. Um, I realized I was like, man, like if I were to do business with somebody like that, you know, that would get me in a world of trouble. Sure. You know, because you can't you can't take big risks. Like you can't cut corners when you're trying to raise millions of dollars. You know, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. 
Um, the types of deals that we invest in are, are like private placements. And so they're not as regulated as the stock exchange is, but there are definitely like very clear rules on how to raise money, who you can raise money from. And, you know, if you, if you cut corners or you, I mean, you can commit fraud. Like there's, there's so many things that you can do to take advantage of other people. And I, I want no part of doing business with somebody that might be doing something like that. So that's the biggest risk is the people, Hmm. Um, you know, and I think you can bet, uh, bet people out, you know, based off of, uh, recommendations they give, you know, recommendations from people that they've done business with people that have worked for them, um, investors that they've had and, you know, learning, you know, Hey, why did this person invest with you? You know, how do they know them? Um, I think that's the, the best way to, to try to mitigate that risk. What do you think? That's a really good insight. I like that a lot as far as just, uh, I think most, uh, most of the time my mind goes to just the particulars of the deal. Um, but I think that that's a really helpful, uh, piece of like the, the people are, uh, uh, you know, the, the greatest risk in a, a deal. I really appreciate that insight. Definitely, man. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what do you, um, I mean, we all know people who talk about doing stuff or going for their dreams or going for big opportunities, but they never get off the couch or they're afraid to, you know, the risk just seems too big to overcome. But I mean, you've, at least with what you've shared, you've kind of plowed over risk, uh, boldly and confidently. And I know a big portion of that is your faith, but, but curious, I mean, what would you share with people and, and share to people who are like, Man, that yeah, that sounds great, but that seems just like a huge risk. Right, yeah. I, and it's funny that I had that same question a few years ago. So as I mentioned earlier, one of my mentors is a developer here in Dallas. And I just, I sat down with him and it's like, man, like, like what makes you different from other people? You know, do you have a different, like a bigger appetite for risk? Like, why are you able to build, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate? And, you know, what makes you different? And he said, it's not, it's not that I have a, a, a higher or a lower appetite for risk, but he said, I understand risk, hmm. you know? So he's like, um, there's, there's types of loans that you would sign. Uh, I believe it's collateralized loans where they could come out, come after your personal assets if the deal didn't, you know, function properly. Um, with, with real estate loans, like we're not usually signing a collateralized loan. Um, but he's, he does those loans for the deals that they're building. And what he said was, he's like, man, he's like, I understand the product that I'm building. I'm building a building that's going to be worth at least twice as much as the, the bank is loaning me. You know, so at the end of the day, like if, if things didn't work out, if we didn't get it leased up the way that we were planning and the bank takes that from me, like they're not coming after my personal assets because I'm providing them so much more value, you know, and, and the same thing I would say about like real estate, you know, one thing that's really cool is like you're buying a real property that has real value. You can really go walk it. Like you can go talk to the residents, you know, you can put your hands on it. It's a real thing. And, and like, you know, one thing about the stock market, like, I mean, we've seen overnight fluctuations like, you know, so-and-so tweets something and this stock like sinks or tanks or rises or whatever, you know, and like real estate values in the short term, they may go up and down a little bit too, but at the end of the day, like they're going to have value, 
you know, and so how do you, how, how we mitigate the risk? I mean, we buy proper insurances, you know, there's things that are out of our control. There, there could be a tornado or something like that. I, I mean, there's things that, you know, we can't predict, but we have insurances for those, you know, for the rising interest rates. If you get a floating rate loan on the property, you can buy a rate cap. And so that means basically you're buying insurance so they can't raise the rates above a certain percentage. And so you include, you know, and you have to pay potentially a million dollars for that, maybe, let's say. And so you include that in your underwriting and you include that in the amount of money that you raise. And so, I mean, you know, we're, we're, and we're, we're testing this, you know, we're, we're running different scenarios. You know, how can we mitigate this risk? How can we mitigate this risk? You know, and I can't go into all the details of the things that we're doing, you know, but, and then we're also like, Hey, we're going to take our underwriting and let's go talk to this other team. Like, is there, is there things that they, they see that we overlooked or, sure. you know, something that we miscalculated. So, I mean, there's, there's so many different tests that go involved in the bank. I mean, the bank is your friend as well, right? So, I mean, you're on that side of it. Like, you guys don't want to get in on a bad deal either. You know, so there's there's just so many ways. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, there's bad deals that happen, you know. But ultimately, um, there's a lot of good deals that happen too. You know, and, and I think to, to wrap all that in a nice and tidy bow, that that's like the question that I ask all the time. You know, it's like, okay, like, like what if what if I quit my job and start doing this? You know, like, what if I invest in this real estate deal? Like, what if I invest in this friendship or this relationship, you know? And then, like, the question that really, like, hits me in the face is, like, what if I don't? You know, what if, what if I don't quit my job and I never pursue my dream? Like, what if I don't have this conversation with this person and I don't share the gospel with them? You know, like, like what if I don't, you know, invest in X, Y, Z, you know, and... and like at the end of the day, like there's four things that I pray for. Like I don't pray, I pray for my business every single day and I've been doing that for a long time, but I don't pray at all about the finances. I don't like, God's going to take care of that. You know, like the things that I pray for, I pray for it to be fruitful for God's kingdom. I pray for it to be fruitful for myself, my partners, my investors, um, my friends and family. I pray for it to be fruitful for the residents and the communities that we invest in. And number four, and I think this kind of touches on what we were just talking about, I pray for it to be fruitful for the people on the outside looking in. You know, that's people that are never going to invest with me. That's people that may never talk to me. But, you know, people take notice. People see what I'm doing on social media and people see, like, the efforts that I'm taking, you know. And, like, I was talking to a lady last week and she was telling me, like, you could see the passion in her eyes. You know, and she was telling me about this exciting thing that she had going on. And I was like, hey, like, I'm going to be real with you. Like, it's time for you to start. Like, you know, you've done the planning. Like, you've talked to the people. You've got the, the experts around you. Like, it is time to start taking action. Put it, like, implement it. Like, make it happen, you know. So, like, that's at the end of the day. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's how I can change the world. You know, I can share the gospel and like I can encourage people to go do the things that they're supposed to do. I mean, the biggest thing is just, you know, you, you have to put in the work like, but you also have to meet people, you know, and 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 meeting people. That person might know the person that you need to know, you know, so it's it's twofold of preparing yourself to be in the room and have the conversations, but then also just getting into the room and, and meeting the right people, you know, so social media is such a great place to do that. I mean, you can message me and reach out to me. Um, and there's so many awesome other people, um, in this space as well that are, you know, so most people I, I found are willing to, to answer questions, you know, you just got to get out of your comfort zone and, and ask.
So I am on Instagram. I'm not super uh, focused on that yet, but um, before the end of February, we'll definitely be more active on there. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that, I'm most active on LinkedIn, and then um, I'm, I've got a website. I've got my own podcast. Um, you know, and and ultimately, if you want to get in contact with me personally, you can get on my website and and contact me, and I, I respond to those emails as well. So I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, biggerpictureholdings.com. Yes, and I'll sir. plug your podcast too, Money Tree Real Estate, right? Yeah, Money Tree Real Estate Investor Podcast. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's really good. You, you've done a really fantastic job on there. Yeah, I, I, I hope that uh, Abundant Journey will get to that level of, uh, of quality, but I definitely uh, uh, recommend your podcast to our listeners as well. And they're, they're, they're adjacent to one another too. So I think that uh, the listener base for Abundant Journey would, um, yours is going to be more focused on real estate in particular, but really great stories with the different investors and people that you're talking with on there. So I, I'm I'm a subscriber now and uh, eager to continue listening to to what you're putting out. Definitely. Yeah. I have enjoyed it guys. Just God bless you, man. Like it's uh, I'm really, really excited for you and um, what this year and what your future holds. I mean, you, you've made a huge jump um, into doing this full time now, but it sounds like, um, you know, it's been a very prayerful thing and that it's, there's been a lot of build up to it several years now of, of dreaming about this and waiting for the right moment. And uh, so I just I, uh, I hope that we can stay in touch and follow along and celebrate your successes and victories. And I hope that our listeners can get in touch with you as well and that there will be some uh, passive investors for you that come out of the, the, the show here. But, yeah, great work. It's, it's just really encouraging to hear everything that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. And you guys got to come down to Texas pretty soon. Let's go. Let's go. I would love that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think that's it, man. I think that's the pod. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.